thanks. Interesting term. This week the Lord uh, gave me a line that I think I want to share with you. And it's this. Joy grows in the soil of thanksgiving. Joy grows in the soil of thanksgiving. If some of you are missing out with God's joy in your life, if you find yourself struggling with this concept of thanks as we move towards thanksgiving, your soil, your soil is not the right soil. You're planning your thoughts, you're planning your actions outside of the soil of thanksgiving. God desires for us to understand the wonder of who He is and how He can work in our lives regardless of situations and circumstances. And as we allow Him to be seen in those, we find ourselves giving thanks and receiving this remarkable thing called joy. Joy. So even the little one there, right? There he goes, Rainier. <laughs> there she goes in this case. I have joy. Now, you'll notice today that I have these interesting things. They're called glasses, and I'm having to wear these glasses today. And you're probably thinking, boy, poor Pastor Lee, he no longer can see without glasses. But I did this to myself. I went to the dock and they changed my eyes, gave me a couple new lenses, and now I have this marvelous ability to see all of you out there, where before you didn't realize it, but I couldn't see you out there. (laughs) But I could read very well. So just because I wanted to see you, now I have to wear glasses to read. Yeah, you Mansky, I see you too. <laughs> ah, yes. So, we give thanks because we recognize that in the midst of all things, God is working. He is, he is planning. He is intending. He has a purpose. He has a concept. He has an idea. He has an intention. And that our goal is to discover that in the adventure of life. Boy, Lord, how can this become something that is not just good, but is truly great. What is it that you're trying to tell me? What is it that I need to learn? What is it that I need to understand? How will this affect my life and cause me to go down this path in such a way that great things take place? So that his purpose is accomplished and so that my life becomes one that truly fulfills the will and the directives of God And in the midst of that, then I enjoy what the Hebrew people call shalom, or completeness of life. Completeness in my life. And I go, I have contentment in who I am, and where I am, and what God is doing within me and through me. See, that's the excitement when life begins to happen that way. So today, what I'm going to talk about is this issue of how do we... How do we allow joy to come into our lives? How do we develop this soil of thanksgiving? In Philippians 4, 4, it says, May you always be joyful in your life in the Lord. May you always be joyful in your life in the Lord. Because joy is not the absence of difficulty. 
Joy is the presence of shalom. Uh, the psalmist says it this way. He says, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desires. And when we put these things together, we begin to understand how to bring about thanks production and how to bring about worry reduction. How to get rid of worry in our life and replace it with this wondrous thing called thanksgiving. So I want to share with you in the midst of this, I, I call it a stressful time. Isn't it seasonal time? Uh, we were putting together our budget for Christmas. Ay, ay, ay. Really? Cost that much? I have grandkids now. And it's the grandkids and the kids and other stuff. And Mary and I looked at it and I said, how can we cut something out? And she said, we could cut you out. <laughs> Actually, I said, we could cut me out. I've got to be truthful here. She didn't say that. And she laughed. She said, that, that isn't going to happen. And I, I'm going, but you see, what, what we have learned in our life is that joy comes not from what I get, but from what I'm able to give. You see, I, have, I open the present. I go, oh, this is great. Thanks so much. But really what I do is I look over when the boys open their presents. I'm going, yeah, watch this. Watch this. And that's when joy floods into our life. That's when the sense of purpose and excitement floods into our life. So how do we bring about the soil of thanksgiving? Let me give you four things that you could could post them on your refrigerator during this time of seasonal stress for Christmas. There's really four primary ways the scripture sees about in relationship to how to develop joy in our life, how to develop the soil thanksgiving that will produce joy out of it. The first one is we have to learn to worry about nothing. Yeah. Worry about nothing. Go, really? Yes. Worry about nothing. That's the first thing. Then secondly, you need to pray about Everything. Exactly. You pray about every single thing. Okay? Then you give thanks to God in all things. That's the third one. You give thanks to God in all things. And then the last thing you do is you think about the right things. You think about the right things. Things. We're going to walk through all those areas for you one by one by one. But the first thanks producer in our life is to learn how to worry about nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't fret or have any anxiety. Now, that's easier said than done. In fact, the instant you finish saying it, you start worrying about something. A Smithsonian Institute said, we are now in the golden age of anxiety. Hmm. We now not only have micro worries, we have personal worries But we're confronted with macro worries, the worries of the world. Have you noticed that this last few weeks during the election? The worries of the world. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Really, Lord, do I got to carry this stuff, too? Ay, ay, ay. Everybody is so, so strung out, so worried about so many things. Michael Crichton, in his book, State of Fear, shares that the media thinks their calling is to keep you in a constant state of fear. That's their calling, that's their intention, that's their desire. I was reading about facts about worry. Dr. Cavert put together this study and did a thorough study about worry, and he discovered a few things. Number one, 40% of your worries never happen. 40% of what you worry about never, ever happen. 
Okay? So out of a list of ten worries, you can pick out four and throw them away. They don't count. Okay, you got that? Whoa, thank you, Lord. Okay. Then he says, 30% of your worries concern the past. They concern the past. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Worry will never change your past. Have you figured that out yet? It doesn't change the past. You're not going to change it because the past is, yeah, gone. It's past. That's why it's called that. It's dead. It's over. It's not going to control the future no matter how much you worry about it. You can't control the past. You can't control the future. 40% of your worries will never happen. So 70% of your worries are worthless. Hey, 70% are worthless. Well, what else? He says 12% of your worries are needless health concerns. Needless health concerns. The hypochondriac who wrote on their tombstone, I told you I was sick. Yep. 10% of your worries are insignificant and petty. And conclude that only about 8 to 10% of our worries are actual legitimate concerns. Only about 8%. Now, some of you are worried that you're not going to be able to write it down fast enough, the percentage of... Isn't it true? Hurry, get through. They're going to take it off. They're going to move it. So after the service, we'll redo it all again for you. Mark will stay behind and run it all through. <laughs> if you ask him, he'll show it to you very quickly. Uh, so, so what are you supposed to do about that 10%, that 8 to 10% of worries? Here's, here's what I think you need to do. You need to pick a worry time for every day. Pick out your worry time. I have a devotional time, okay? So every, every morning, about between 5 and 6 a.m., just depends on when I I spend about an hour to an hour and a half in my devotional time. It's every single morning. That's what I always do. So... What you need to do is pick out your worry time. And I would, I would encourage you to do that either afternoon or evening. Pick your time. Say, 4 o'clock, that's your worry time. Okay? So 4 o'clock every day, you say, 4 o'clock, I'm going to worry for 10 minutes. Okay? From 4 to 4.10, I'm going to worry. That's it. Now, when your worries try to grab a hold of your early, all you have to do is say, hold it. It's not 4 o'clock yet. It's not 4 o'clock yet. And you're going, Pastor Lee, you're being silly. Well, yes and no. I am, but I'm not. Try it. You'll be amazed. You start telling yourself, no, worry time's 4 o'clock. I will worry at 4 o'clock. Because most of you think, I've got to worry sometime. Pick a time. And when you start doing that, you'll begin to realize how foolish, how foolish this concept actually is. That's why Jesus said, there's enough Worrying each day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just take care of today. Worrying doesn't change anything. It's doing without doing. It's a learned response. So Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Don't open your umbrella until it starts raining. It's supposed to tonight. You might believe it. You might not. I think it's a... We'll see what happens. The number one key to reducing stress in our life is to live simply one day at a time. I have enough for today. I'm not going to worry about the later. Now, that doesn't mean I don't plan appropriately or put things aside. I just choose not to worry about it. In fact, I wonder what God's going to do. Wonder replaces worry in my life. I begin to say, Lord, I wonder how you're going to do that. 
And I've gotten old enough now to know that he always does it in a different way. It's like, wow, I wonder how he's going to do this one. And I look forward to see how he brings about whatever it is that I need, whatever's supposed to take place in my life, in what way or manner. He always does. He always does. One minute at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Enjoy today. Learn to give thanksgiving. Let's look at this clip about 2016. It'll remind you a little bit. over and what a year it's been we watched the world gather at the olympics in rio we witnessed super bowl 50 in san francisco and we celebrated as the cubs finally won the world series and if we're honest we'd also admit that 2016 has been far more difficult and challenging than we ever thought it would be 2016 saw Hurricane Matthew hit the East Coast with savage force. ISIS continued its terror in Paris, in Brussels, and in countless other locations. A sniper took the lives of five policemen in Dallas. And the presidential election only proved just how divided and fragmented our country really is. 2016 really has been a difficult year. And then Thanksgiving appears out of the blue, and it's hard to find things to be thankful for. Unless, unless we see with new eyes. New eyes that frame the burst of a morning sunrise, reminding us that God is always offering us a fresh start. New eyes that refocus on those meaningful times experienced with close friends and how our hearts are always filled afterward. We might see that family member who brings warmth to a cold day or that retriever that still thinks she's a lapdog. No matter what's happening outside of us, God is always doing something on the inside. And Thanksgiving is that holiday that invites us to see the hand of God and then to express gratitude for what he's offering. Because every ordinary moment is filled with the extraordinary. We just need eyes to see. And maybe, just maybe, we'll begin to see God most clearly when we thank him most often. Thanksgiving. It's interesting that God placed Thanksgiving in front of Christmas, I think, to begin to relieve some of our stress and our concerns and to get our focus correct, to help us to understand that our content is not what gives us contentment. Our content, what we have, is not what gives us contentment. What gives us contentment is a reliance upon God's movement and work in our lives. So whenever God gives us a don't, he says, don't worry about anything. He always gives us a do. He says, instead, pray about everything. So instead, pray about everything and everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, I'd love to. I just don't have time to pray. 
Use your worry time. There you go. If you pray as much as you're worrying, you're going to have a whole lot less to worry about, and you're going to have a lot of time to pray. Now, that's a statement that we make because we recognize it. Petition God. Get a petition for God in in everything, because joy grows in the soil of thanksgiving. We come to God in prayer, and we give Him thanks for all he has given and for all that he is about to provide. Not just some things, but every single thing in my life. When you pray, tell God every detail. Every detail. You could circle that in that outline. Every detail of your life. He's concerned about the big things and the small things. He knows every detail of your life. Can you say this? D-N-A. Say that. D-N-A. It should tell you how remarkable God is in choosing to be so incredibly specific about who you are. That now we finally got smart enough to be able to identify you, not just by your face that keeps getting older. Sorry. Or even by your fingerprints. But we literally can get your DNA from almost anything and discover who you actually are. 99.9%. Wow. It's amazing what God has done that we discovered. Every thumbprint unique. Every voice print unique. Every snowflake unique. He has no problem handling or understanding the details of our life. There's nothing you can't pray about. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. That's what he's trying to say. Don't worry about anything. Oh, Lord, I'm getting worried. Pray. I pointed out to you, it's God's call to prayer. Lee, you're worried about your eyes. Pray. Oh, but, but Lord, you... Lee? Okay, Lord, pray. Two months later, I see really well over there. Just not down here. Okay. Uh, but I wasn't supposed to be able to see down here. That's what I gave up, one for the other. I said, Lord, if I can see distance... I'm willing to wear glasses to see close up. And he said, okay. I'm not sure if I made a good decision. But we're moving on. Pray with petition. Be specific. Do you see? Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want. This is what? Be specific in your prayers. Some people pray so vaguely, they don't know if God took care of them or not. Be specific. Put it to the test. Lord, I really, really need a new Mercedes Benz. Good luck. (laughs) You'll know if God answered. When you say, God, will you please bless me? Does anybody know what that means? That kind of general favor, Lord, bless me. But the way I read Scripture, one of the biggest blessings in our life are problems. Biggest blessing you'll ever get in your life is a huge problem. How many of you are praying for more problems? Watch it when you say, Lord, bless me. Be very, very careful. He just may choose to do it. And you'll go, but but Lord, I didn't mean. And he says, if you want to be blessed, then you need to see what this life is really all about and how you are to respond to it. 
And that means I'm going to have to bring problems into your life. And so it was two months before this eye finally began to take shape. And prior to that, I'm praying on a regular basis, Lord, help me to see not just with this eye, but to see what is your direction and guidance? What's your intention? And having an eye that was kind of messed up forced me to pay more attention, to say, Lord, I really want to see. I really want to see what it is that you're directing me uh, towards. A problem can be a huge blessing in our life. Peter said it this way, unload all your worries on him because he's looking after you. If you've got it in the scripture, you could circle unload. We have to learn to unload our problems instead of worrying about them. We have to unload them. Some of you say, well, how do you unload your problems? Ask your wife. You've been unloading on her for years. Oops. And she's been listening the whole time. We unload on God. We lay it on God and we let go. We let go. Prayer is a tremendous release valve. How do you handle stress? Uh, you turn it over to God. You let it drop. You pray and say, Lord, this is yours. Lift your hands up like this. Lift your hands up. Okay, now turn them over. That's all you do. It's, it's that simple. You just let it go. Disney got it. Oh, let it go. Okay. And I, I've got a couple granddaughters that are just so into that. They drive you crazy. I'm trying to make the let it go move into, yeah, the Lord will help you let it go in your life. Use it. Work it. Help them to understand it. God desires for us to unload our stress through prayer. Give God every detail of your concern. Hold up your hands and drop it on a regular basis. I say, Lord, I can't take this anymore. He says, okay, well, give it to me. Well, uh, uh, but you, you don't, just let it go. I'm not sure I want to let it go. Yeah, so let it go. Okay, and you let it go. Uh, it was a, uh, Alex Haley, he's the author of the book Roots, and he had an unusual picture hanging on his office wall. It's a picture of a turtle on top of the fence post. It's a turtle on top of the fence post. And the people ask, well, why do you have that there? And he said, every time I write something that people consider significant, every time I read my words and I think, man, that is really, really good, and I begin to feel proud of myself, I look at the turtle on top of the fence posts, and I remember, I didn't get there on my own. I didn't get there on my own. I had help. Prayer is saying, God, I need help. Oh, God, I need help. And the Lord puts us on the fence post. We go, wow, how did I get here? And God says, I put you there. Thanks, Lord. Thanks so much. Because not only did you take away my worry, you replaced it. You replaced it with something wonderful. I read recently that uh, major life insurance companies have done some studies, and they discovered that if you attend church every week, you'll live on the average 5.7 years longer than people who don't. Now, do the math. 52 times 2 
equals 104 hours a year or five days times 80 years. That equals 400 days, 352 days in a year. So if you attend church regularly, you will gain over four years in life because that means you've got 1.7 years you spent in church. So you still gain that one too, but you gain four extra years. Now, why is that that people, that's happening to people? The reason I think it is because people come to church and they're able to unload on the Lord. We get here and we just we get a chance to unload. Finally, I have to sit still. Somewhat. Okay? And, and I begin to let God know exactly what's going on in my life. We decompress. We begin to let God have our worries. We look up and we see his power and his majesty. We talk it out to God. We take it to him or we take it out on ourselves. And when you swallow, your stomach always keeps score. That anxiety and that churning. Unload it. You're getting a new life insurance policy. And by the way, you should call your insurance company, tell them you go to church regularly, and they should give you a drop in your policy cost. Probably won't happen, but hey, what can you say? Peter says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him because you are his personal concern. James says, you don't have because you don't ask God. So ask God, Lord, help me with my worries, my problems, my stresses. No problem too big. We worry about nothing. We pray about everything. Well, then what do we do? We learn to give thanks in all things. So we worry about nothing. We pray about everything. And then we find ourselves beginning to see the necessity of and the reality of the ability to give thanks in everything. We give thanks in all things. When you pray, pray with thanksgiving. Always praying with these acts of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving literally gives us immunities in our body. When you give thanks for things, when you respond by giving thanks in a variety of ways, this attitude of gratitude. But if you're ungrateful, you'll find yourself miserable and unhappy and destructive in your life. Some person said, hurt people hurt people. It's just that difficulty. They're never satisfied. It's never good enough. But if you cultivate the attitude of gratitude, thanksgiving and everything, it reduces stress. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. He didn't say take and it will be given to you. He said give and it will be given to you. Give thankfully. Give thanks. Set aside ways to give during the season. Mary and I were talking about this just last night. She said, we need to set aside certain things, gift cards. We need to set aside money. We need to set aside certain things specifically to give to other people at other times as the situation shows itself. You know the guy with the red buckets going on now? Okay, I never carry money with me. So now I have to. I've got to get money so I can put money into the little red bucket. Because I want to. It's an opportunity for me to give thanks that I don't normally have. So you set it aside. Mary said she dumped her purse. She said all I had was all this change, you know, because she keeps all my change because I don't want to carry it. You know, She's dumping all the change in the bucket. I go, yeah, it's great. I want to dump dollar bills in the bucket. I don't need to make a sound. I want it to be nice and silent and slide right through. It's my last 20, Pastor. I know. What a great thing. Give it all. Give it all. Say, Lord, how are you going to replace that one? 
Watch him do it. You'll see it happen over and over again. It's amazing what happens when we start to become thanks givers. We give because we're thankful for all God has done. We give because God's given us that picture. We're called, we're directed to give in every circumstance. And it doesn't say for every circumstance. I have a flat tire. Thank you, God, for the flat tire. Is that what you do when you're out there fixing the tire? I don't think so. I don't think. I say, Lord, are you kidding? That's my response. Are you kidding? I wonder, okay, work this into something good, Lord. I don't like the flat tire. You know, my mom died of a lung disease. Lord, thank you so much my mom died of a lung disease. Are you crazy? Are you wacko? What is wrong with you? That's not biblical Christianity. That's nimwit Christianity. That's misunderstanding. But I thank God for all the wondrous things that took place before she died and the opportunities that we had to interact with her. During this disease, it changed her life. It turned her around. My kids said, man, what happened to Grandma? She used to be such a, I can't say the word. And she turned into this wonderful, wonderful Grandma. What happened? I said, you know, God got a hold of her, turned her around. She started to give thanks to him in all things. And she became a thanksgiver. And the result of that was we started thanking God for her. Wow. So I don't thank God for the disease, but I do thank him for what he was able to accomplish in the midst of that disease. And I recognize it. I say, God, thank you so much. Thank you. That's what he's trying to tell us here. We don't thank him for every circumstance. We thank him in every circumstance. Because joy grows in the soil of thanksgiving. Even out of bad, God brings good. And you can too. Look for how you can give. How can I give thanks? Because I begin to recognize God has a purpose that's bigger than the problem. He'll give me the power to overcome the problem. I'll grow through the experience if I allow it to help me grow in hope and peace and joy and faith in every circumstance. Because I know God is greater than my problem. People say, what is God's will for my life? This is God's will for your life. In everything, give what? Thanks. You don't look at what you've lost, you look at what you have. There's a great song out there that says... uh, uh, you know, uh, says, it's a great day because I'm saved, and that makes it a great day. And I go, yeah, you're right. Thank God. I know him. I'm experiencing him in my life. I, I have this wonderful life because of all he's done, because he rescued me and brought me in. What a wonderful, wonderful day. What a great day it is. Ramsey came in this morning to prayer and he said, I'm just having, it's just great. I'm just high on life. It's great. Ramsey, and he only has one hand because he can't work with the other one. So he had to carry stuff in. He had his, in his teeth, he was holding on to the volition. Okay. And his hand, he's holding on to coffee. And the other hand, he's trying to get his Bible. And he's, this is great. Life is great. I'm looking at him going, dude, what are you, a Christian? Joy grows 
in the soil thanksgiving. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him. He will help you. What are you thankful for? Your health, your freedom, your relationships, your family, your church. In everything, give thanks. So we shout it out. We say, thank you, God. Everybody say it. Say, thank you, God. One more time. Thank you, God. Wow. And it begins to permeate and it falls down because it's the truth. And truth permeates our hearts. And suddenly I begin to see. I go, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the last thing for thankfulness, you need to think about the right things. That's it. Think about the right things. Whatever is true and noble. Whatever is pure and lovely. Whatever is admirable, excellent. Whatever is praiseworthy. Think about these things. You've got to change the way you think. The way you think precedes the way you feel. And the way you feel precedes the way you act. So if you want to change your life, you've got to change what you're thinking about. Fix your mind on these things. Finally, brothers, fix your mind on these things, whatever is true and noble, right and pure, lovely and admirable. Fix it on it. Focus on the positive aspect of God's word because the root cause of stress is the way we think. You put two people in the exact same circumstance, one is blown away and one is just as joyful as I'll get out. What happened? What happened? It's not the circumstance. It's how they view the circumstance. It's your response to the circumstance, your perspective, how you're interpreting life. See, your problem is not your problem. Your problem is how you choose to respond to your problem. Think about it in the right way. Joy grows in the soil of thanksgiving. Pete, why don't you come on up with the worship band? Proverbs 23, 7 says this. As a man thinks in his heart, and you could put as a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. So is he. What do you think about? What dominates your mind? Whatever you think about the most is what you're becoming. Whatever we move towards is what we're focusing on. If you want to be like Christ, you think about him. Be still in the presence of God. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper. Be still. Wait patiently. Look for him to act. Give thanks. See, that's the directive that God gives us over and over and over again. Wow. Worry about what? Nothing. Pray about everything. Thank God in all things. Keep your mind on the right thing. Now, if you do this, you'll experience God's peace in wonderful, marvelous, incredible ways. Right now, just shut everything down. You got your little prayer connection card in front of you. Got to pull that out. You know, Lord, what is it that he's telling you? You need to be praying about this. You need to be thanking me about this. I don't know what it is, but you need to write it down. We're going to listen to a song that Pete and the worship team is going to share with us. And while they're playing, you write and you pray and say, Lord, help me to get it together. Show me. Help me to do these things and have soil 
this Thanksgiving soil.